Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Thank you, Lori. That's awesome. Awesome. Uh, I wanted to do an introduction today, uh, kind of selfishly, because somebody that I love and appreciate is going to be speaking this morning. He's our Kid City director and moved here from missions work in the Middle East. So when people talk about the Middle East, typically your heart starts racing, you're, you know, and we're like, okay, that's awesome for you, but not like me. But this person at a young age said, that's for me. and Started doing short-term and long-term missions trips. When we first originally prayed to launch Get Rooted, we took two years off and fasted and, and sought counsel and looked for information about, God, what are you doing and saying to take it more than a Sunday, more than a moment, right? More than an hour, but make it like a launching pad and a movement that people would grow and be rooted and reproduce, and they would live it all week long, the good news. And we prayed like, okay, maybe if we have like 100 kids that start coming to the youth group, and then maybe these 100 kids, but there would be just a handful of people that could change the world, we believed every hundred, every person of the hundred had a unique, specific calling, but we prayed and we felt like there would be one, maybe two, maybe three that would have a significant impact for the gospel. And we, God, we were begging, Jesus, please show us who the one is. Show us who the two is. Show us who your 12 are and who are those people. In the midst of that, some faces and some names started to rise through the surface. And we looked and we said, hmm, here's one of them. It was Zach. God had a special grace on his life, not a special grace like, hey, look at Zach so we can cheer for him, but a special grace so that Zach would steward the calling and the gospel of grace in his heart so that he could impart it to people. See, we see the gift as something that maybe like they have, but it's actually a gift for us. So this morning when he's going to be speaking, he's going to be speaking not something that is something that just is, is learned, but actually something that he applies. I've watched him be teachable. I've watched him grow up from like, you know, 15-year-old like kid to coming here and moving, deciding that God was shifting his focus to the urban inner city of Lansing, Michigan. And then when he came, he had never known anything about kids. And he walked in my office and said, I think God's calling me to be the kids pastor here at City Life. And it was a powerful moment. We shed some tears and it's been an amazing ride and we're just beginning. So you guys lean in, listen, as Zach takes us into the word of God and imparts what Jesus wants to say to us with Route 6 and Route 7. their phone before I got this uh my friend Noah works at Verizon and he gave me some tempered glass so it's not like cracked cracked you know what I'm saying but like when you look at it sometimes you guys really don't care but I'm just telling you because this is the first thing I saw when I looked at my table here well I just want to say welcome uh you belong here you're important you're valuable God loves you. God has a plan for your life. And today is no coincidence. I actually don't believe in coincidences. I think everything happens for a reason. Um, and so if you're here, would you just take a second, 
whatever happened right before you walked into those doors, it happened and it was real, but now you're in this room and there's something a little bit unique when we all gather and when we talk about someone named Jesus. So, you know, what we say is you belong here. And uh, one thing that we believe is you don't have to uh, believe every single thing that we believe to belong. Okay, so we don't expect you to just come in and now you just, you fall in line and you're in some kind of fold and now you salute everything we believe that that's what you believe. Man, wherever you're at, we're all on a different journey. Can anybody, you know, relate with that? You know, we're all at different stages of life. We got young and old. We got rich and poor. We got all levels of life, all ways of living in here. We don't expect anyone to just fall in line. Come on now, that'd be wrong. Anyway, so I wanted to say that just to, you know, introduce this and introduce myself. Okay, so... We're wrapping up our series on Get Rooted today. Um, Roots six and seven, as Jerome kind of mentioned, uh, they're, they're extremely near and dear to my heart, these particular roots. They're actually, we consider them like our bonus roots. And what I mean by bonus roots is roots one through five, right? They kind of have this um, uh, kind of like elemental feel to it, like meaning like if you don't do these, you might kind of be like, like kind of wrong, right? So root one is like, you got to get saved, right? And then root two is like, Jesus is the source. Root three is community. You got to get plugged in. Root four, you got to bear fruit as a Christian. Every good tree bears fruit. But then root six, it's like, I don't really need any advice in my life. I'm good. I kind of got my thing. And then root seven says, make disciples, mentor people, love other people with your life, share your life. It's like, "Eh, I can do that if I want. Well, check it out. This is why I think that they're more than bonus roots. Hebrews chapter three, they're gonna come up, boom, check this out. So Moses, now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later in Spanish, that's luego, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son and we are his house. If indeed we hold fast, you know, the Bible says the words hold fast, If anyone can really unfold that for me and tell me what that means, I would love that because it's kind of confusing. You're going to hold, anyways, our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Okay. When will they learn? Check this out. There's something that, that is in our culture, in, in my life, that was, that is prevalent and kind of dominant in the kind of way of thinking. It's like this, like, YOLO. You know what I'm saying? It's like this like DIY, I got this, self-made. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like this, it's like so cool to be, to be able to say, I made it on my own. Myself just told myself I'm the man. Like you, you don't need anybody. It's like kind of cool to kind of like take that on. You're like, I got this. I didn't take any classes. Kind of like that Kevin Hart, you know, he's like me all by myself. Me, you know, that kind of thing. It's like cool to do that. But I feel like there's, there's something that, that happens when you live your entire life on that trajectory. It's, it's, it's a little bit scary. Um, and kind of the point that I want to make today is that like that whole lone wolf, like me alone thing is played out. Like it's done. Like it's like old. Let me tell you something. When you isolate, you expose yourself. When you isolate, you expose yourself to all kinds of troubles that you can't handle. I can speak from example, you know, I have, I have all kinds, everyone has examples. I don't even have to go into that. Am I right? Does everyone agree that when you're alone, that it's not good, right? If no one agrees with that, I'd like to talk and have coffee after. Maybe we can figure out like a plan. 
Anyways, the point, the point that I want to make is isolation exposes you to troubles that you can't face. If a soldier was sent into one of the darkest and hardest wars in wherever, I don't think that would be good. They need a team. Let's go to that next slide for me. Yeah, community is what's hot right now. Come on, somebody say that. It's hot. It's what's hot. It's what's trending at City Life. Community, it's where the party's at. Next slide, we'll go on. Are you guys feeling that? Come on, that's heat right there. Check this out. Rebellion is the response of insecurity. So when you rebel, it's actually a statement. So when you rebel, and what I mean by rebel is this like, I got this. It's all me. Like, I don't need any help. When you, when you walk in that, it's actually a sign of insecurity. And what I mean by that is you believe that no one else can help you because of the trajectory or the training of your life. Meaning, like, you don't think anyone's understand what you've gone through. You're like, man, if you knew where I came from, if you knew the stuff that I saw, if you had been where I've been, then, then you wouldn't, you wouldn't even, even ask me to be in your group because you don't know how dark it's been. And really what you're saying is, I'm too broken. I'm so broken, I'm so messed up that I don't even want to give you this mess. Let's expose it for what it really is. This, I got this, you're saying, I don't even want to like, actually for your sake, you don't want me. Rebellion is actually a response in insecurity. You, are, you feel your own brokenness. You feel your own shame. And so you're actually in some ways trying to protect people from that. And maybe in deep arguments, you've even felt yourself get to that point. If it, can anyone relate? I can relate. Oh, my gosh. Where I'm just, I'm just so angry and just, I got this. I didn't need you from the beginning. I always did it on my own. I always did this and this. My dad wasn't there. Da, 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 da. You go on and on and on. And really what you're doing is exposing your own insecurity. That's what rebellion is. It's an identity issue. You don't know who you belong to. And so I want to, today, I want to show my cards a little bit ahead of time. A little ahead of time. Jesus is our security. That's where I want to land today. Let's go to the next slide. Not who you are, but whose you are. Not who you are. We can find our identity in so many things. I know football players. I know bankers. I know pastors. I know some gymnasts. They're usually like this tall, though. They're actually in Kid City. There's some gymnasts in there. Believe it or not, that's cool. Not who you are. So not so who you are a lot of times is defined by what you do, right? A lot of times it's like, we'll say, well, you know, who, who are you? What do you who are you? They're kind of asking, what do you do, right? That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, who are you? Where do you draw the most, the core, like at the bottom of like who you are? Who is that? What is that? And if the answer is anything outside of like who owns you, so this is the, this is the fear. Can I be real? Ownership is like the scariest thing ever. So when someone says, so like, for example, when I was a kid, I would like, when I, my mom would call me and stuff like that, like, I would have to go because technically she owned me. So, for example, if I was at the playground, which this happens, this happened a lot. I wish she was here to, like, witness this. If I was at the playground and it was time to go, Zachary James. Zachary James. And it's just, you know, I could scream, but I don't want to. 
break the mic. But it would get loud. But the ownership of that is my mom. That's her voice. I need to go. Whatever I'm doing, drop it. Wood chips, Legos, whatever it is, it's time to rock. Because mom's calling. She owned me. She had ownership over my life. And what I mean by ownership is she had the responsibility, right? The responsibility over me. So who's, who's are you? Who do you belong to? Answer me this. Could you, do you think it is reasonable to say that you own your life? I think most people in this state, in this, in this room would say, yeah, I pretty much yeah, own my life. Like I wake up, you know, make my bed, orange juice, toast, bacon. You know, you just kind of got this thing. You, got, you own your life. Well, when it comes down to it, if there was, you know, a bomb that went off, how much ownership do you have at that point? Right? You don't own your life. You don't hold your own life in the palm of your hand. There's something, there's a greater narrative happening. So whose are you? Who do you belong to? If you can answer that question, which everybody knows where we're going, we're at church. Jesus owns you. He owns your life. And it's not just a domineering ownership, but it's, he's responsible for you. And more so than that, he loves you radically, unbelievably. So when you start to answer the question from, well, who are you? Well, I'm a doctor. No, who are you? I'm a child of God. That's the narrative shift. Your entire life, the trajectory of your life could switch dramatically if you answer that question differently. Come on. God owns you. He loves you. Next slide. To be both known and enjoyed is one of our greatest fears. I'm going to say it one more time slowly. To be both known and enjoyed is one of our greatest fears. Part of ownership in the context of Jesus towards, towards us is to be known completely. If there was a camera on you every second of your day, every second, your every waking moment covered by a surveillance camera. Come on, that would be weird, number one. Number two, it would be so uncomfortable if someone were to replay that footage back, at least for me. So to be fully known, and, we, and so the idea of a camera for some reason throws us off, but what about a God who sees all things? Whoa, knows everything. And then we're just talking about the outside. Oh my goodness. What about the inside? What about at the cashier's desk when that lady said something about your shirt and it wasn't kind? But you're a good Christian, so you didn't say nothing back. God bless you. Right? Come on. What about the inside? Oh, that's where it gets real. Fully known. So let's, let's just, let's just, okay, pillar, you're fully known. Now, in light of our darkness, in light of that brokenness, to say that we're also fully enjoyed, this goes back to the issue of insecurity. Because a lot of us already feel exposed, because a lot of us are already in isolation, because of a lot of us already have fear and insecurity. So we're already living in the, we feel fully known. Well, you know, well, I, you know, I used to do this and, you know, I used to be here and there. You used to be able to find me at, you used to be able to da, 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 da. You can run on and 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 on. You will, you, but to be fully enjoyed, you have to, you have to take some weird steps to get to that where you believe that you're fully enjoyed. You have to go through, I'm actually not that bad. My upbringing doesn't define me. My scars, my this. You gotta walk through some really interesting places to be able to get to the point and say, God 
fully enjoys me. But let me tell you something. If you were to believe that today, if you were to believe that God knows you, and in light of how much he knows you, he actually loves you, regardless of what you've done, where you've been, what you've seen, what you've said, who you know, whoa, that's real. Come on, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. If you would believe that, you would begin to see the world so differently. And some of you guys are asking, well, how does this tie into root six and root seven? I want to say this. How does this tie into root six and root seven? Let's go to Moses and Jesus. Let me tell you about Moses. Moses was this. Moses was born in a, in a period of genocide. Moses is a character in the Bible, and, and he was born where there was his entire race, entire people group was either being enslaved or slaughtered. So in the process, his mother attempted to save his life. She put him in a basket. Now, if I could talk to his mom and ask a couple different questions, we would have figured out a better method than putting him in a basket. Okay, so but this is what she did. I wasn't there. She put him in a basket, put him in the river, and he floated down. And the type of Hail Marys that she had to have been saying, putting her only, her, not her only, she, he had two brothers, but her child in a river to float, that is just obnoxious. Okay, I would never do that. But she did it. Somehow, by grace of God, by his hand, this child arrived at the footsteps of a woman in a palace, in the Pharaoh's palace. And one of his daughters took this child and made him her own adopted this child, and this child grew up right next to the boy who was heir to the throne. And from there, Moses was a G. It was like he never even knew where he came from. It was like he just completely forgot. Now, maybe other people knew. Like, oh, I know where that dude came from, man. I see him. He came out the water, bro. He ain't real, born royal blood. What you mean? Right? So he came out the water, but guess what? He was treated like a king. Until, right? He had this radical moment with God where the Lord called him. And the Lord said, I need you to deliver your people. Remember where you came from. Remember your upbringing. You came from a people who were being obliterated by an oppressor. You came from a people who were being destroyed and enslaved and put in captivity. And, and the, the women were being raped. You, that's where you came from. And the Lord called him. And he said, Moses, I want you to deliver your people. And Moses bashfully accepted. There's a lot of process. He basically was like, "Ah, let's talk about it. Anyways, he eventually accepted. Moses was an orphan in a new house with a mandate or a call to share in God's mission. Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is a son in his father's house with a mission to give others life and purpose. So there's similarities right, between Jesus and Moses, they both share a vision and a heart to to redeem God's people, to call them out from light to darkness, right, to take them from brokenness and fix them in God's family, right, but what's the difference? There's two words, servant and son, servant and son, servant and son. Now, many of us can live our entire Christian life as servants. We can live our entire life as we follow Jesus, living as servants, Well, the Bible says, well, John chapter 3, verse 16, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I'm going to obey that. Right? Anyone can do that. Let me tell you something. Behavior modification doesn't please God. Whoa. 
I got to say it one more time just so we can all feel it. Behavior modification is not the sole source of pleasure for God. It isn't. Anyone that, that has a problem with, you know, they don't tie their shoes, they can start tying their shoes, okay? Anyone that has a problem with, they, 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 like, they, like, they don't go to work on time, they can start going to work on time. I, guys, can I say this? Guys, are we friends? We're friends? Guys, there are people who, who they, they are or were or working towards, they're alcoholics, and then they stopped being alcoholics without Jesus. There's so many worse other things that happen that people change without God. So is it behavior modification that's pleasing to God? Is that the only thing that just like, oh, we scratched his ego and now I stopped doing the bad stuff, God, and now I'm good, right? No, anyone can do that. That's the, the, the mindset of a servant. But if you're a son, then you say, I want to modify my behavior in light of your love. Because you love me so much, I'm willing to take steps to grow and improve. That's a different posture. So it's not necessarily about the function as it is like the heart. Does that make sense? Because the, the, a lot of things, what I find is like a lot of times I go to, I listen to sermons or I go to churches or say, stop doing that sin stuff. Rated R movies and cigarettes. You know, it's like, dude, anyone can not smoke cigarettes. I mean, some of us are struggling with addiction. Can I be, let's be real. I struggle with too much sugar, too much Sour Patch Kids. I like that. But the reality is, Anyone can not do it, but it takes Jesus to see yourself as a son or a daughter. Thank you, ladies. Let's go to the next slide. Adoption is the heart of discipleship. It's a picture of how Jesus lived in relationship to his father. So to live like Jesus, we have to submit like Jesus. Wow. Let's take a second. Okay, to live like Jesus, you have to submit like Jesus. Jesus saw the call of God in his life, who is, who is this, this God who's calling him to say, it's time to lay down your life for the salvation of all people, to save all people, and you have to live as a man with hair. And, like, you have to go to the bathroom now. Who knew if God did that before? I don't know. We don't have to talk about it. But, but Jesus is having to do things that he didn't have to do. The key to you growing, to us growing, to us growing together is going to be submission. Meaning you have to like let go of some stuff. Meaning like you have to let people tell you stuff. Meaning like you can't isolate anymore. If you are actually saying, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dissonance. It's a cognitive dissonance. You, you think like, okay, well, I'm going to be Michael Jordan, but I don't go to practice and I don't have a coach. No, you're not. Sorry. You want to follow Jesus. When you lay your head on your pillow at night and you think about your family, you think about your life, all the things that you want to do in light of what God has done, that picture, let that be the vision or the source and then let your life follow. Let there be a pathway, a clear path, the clearest path to that dream that you have for your life in light of all the things that God has done for you. It doesn't happen alone. It won't happen and I know that's kind of a letdown, right? You're like, I, I thought I had this. I thought I had it. I thought I got it. No, it won't happen alone. It won't. You need people. You need help. And more than that, you need to give someone permission. You know, in those, those movies, they like, oh, yeah. the teacher presents himself when the student is ready. 
That's a good line. The teacher presents himself when the student is ready. Who's ready to be led? You want to go to the next level? You have to be led. Come on. Next slide. Submission is the road to influence, and influence is a stage for the gospel. Submission is the road to influence. If, if you want to be who you say you want to be, I've had so many talks and so many conversations. I want to preach. I want to, I want to be a, a manager, or I want, to, I, want to, I want to grow this. I want to do that. I want to be here. I want to be there. But you don't submit to anyone? You don't let anyone speak into your life and lead you? It's a, it's a cognitive dissonance. You're missing. It's, it's, it's not real. You're living in fantasy land. And the scary part is we're allowed to live in fantasy land, and everything in our culture tells us live in fantasy land. Hey, go chase your dreams, but don't let nobody tell you what to do. How? You've never been. You don't have directions. Someone has the roadmap and is actually willing to hold your hand, but you want to do it yourself? Oh, my goodness. This is my story. This is my story. I wanted, to be a, I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to be a minister. I wanted to be a missionary. I wanted to be this and that. But every time someone came to me and wanted to offer advice and offer suggestions and try to teach me, I would shrug my shoulders. I'm out. You don't have a place in my life. I don't give you permission. And I have all the excuses in the world for why that would be relevant, why that would be okay. We all do. Mom was this. Dad was this. I did this. I've been here. I've been there. That list is long for everyone. Everybody has a list like that. It's time to burn that list and submit. Who's going to lead you? That's the path to greatness. Submission is the road to influence, and influence is a stage for the gospel. Because the, the truth is, you let someone hold your hand, and guess what? You'll find yourself holding the hands of others. Because now you actually have something to say. Because you haven't been there. Someone's been to the mountaintop, and they came back down to grab you. And on the way up, you find people. Oh, you can come too. Let's roll. Oh, you want to be great? You want to follow God? You want to be all these things? Come on. We're going. Is everybody tracking? Did I lose anybody on the way? This is huge. This is, this is the biggest lie in our generation. It's to say that, that like you don't, you don't have to trust anybody. It's a lie. It's time to crucify that. It's time to get rid of it. It's garbage. Some of us are, I mean, college students got it down pat. They get tutors. Right? Everyone does it. Apprenticeships and, and like if you're a carpenter, you're an apprentice. Everyone knows if you're a mechanic, you have to like learn how to do it. But somehow when it comes to Christianity, we just throw that out the, out the it's like, no, no, it's good. I, I got this. No, it's a lie. Check this next slide. Boom. To live like Jesus, we have to submit to Jesus. Submit like Jesus. Both are true. That's not the next slide. But I do like it. It's Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, he's saying to us today, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, that means move, like some sort of movement. Therefore, excuse me, and make disciples of all nations. Nations actually means people groups in the Greek. People groups. 
make disciples of people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the mandate of what it means to follow Jesus. And it starts with the end. Is that weird? Jesus kind of talks like that. The best part of this verse is the end. I am with you always. Jesus is the constant teacher, the constant discipler, the constant mentor, the constant gardener in our gardens, the constant force in Star Wars, the constant everything in our lives. Come on, that's the head. And the way it fleshes out, the way he leads us is through people. hard, but it's real. Come on, y'all. It's hard, but it's real because it goes against everything that you know. You've always done it by yourself. You've always done it your way, but now some long t-shirt wearing ripped jeans fellas coming up and tell you something to do, tell you what to do, right? You're like, I'm not submitting to that. He's 22. He's a little punk. I'm not listening to him, but the way Jesus fleshes out his authority is through people. Why? It's just what he wanted to do. But he starts with the last thing. He says, I'm with you. Remember, he's the leader. He says, I'm with you always. So now, do what you're called to do. You're called to love people. You're called to be loved. The most important thing in the world is when we believe that we're fully known and fully enjoyed. That's the one thing. If we could take that today, maybe you don't take these bonus routes. Maybe you say, I got this. I'll be back in five years. We straight, right? But take this with you on your road, on your journey. You're fully known and you're fully enjoyed. Application. Get in a group. Get in a group. It'll bless your life in more ways than you could ever imagine. God's going to unlock things inside of you. He's going he's to change the way you see certain things. It's going to influence how you behave. It's going to influence how you talk. It's going to influence the way you think. Application. Get in a group. Do it. You will not regret it. I've never been a part of a group where I didn't pull at least 1% out. Come on. If anyone in this room could get better 1%, we all can Get in a group. Sign up today. There's going to be so many opportunities. Drum's going to, un- he's going to unlock a little bit. But I just want to take this opportunity to just pray. Is that okay? Can we pray? We are at church. Um, I love prayer. Um, I just want to talk to Jesus. King Jesus, this is your church. Everything is yours. God, I pray right now in this room that you would give us the gift of love for you. And that that would transform the way that we love one another. I pray that you would help us to learn submission. Help us to learn how to follow. Help us to learn how to grow. God, I pray that even as we jump into these groups, Jesus, that you would pour out truth. And that the lies that say that we're not good enough or that we're too broken to be involved or that we're too broken and too messed up for someone to lead us. God, I pray you would throw those away. I pray that with you in partnership, that this room, God, we would, we would run towards you and not away from you. We would give it all for you, Jesus. God, we thank you and we love you. 
all this is for you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.